Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Gary V Audio Experience. We have an awesome episode for you today, but we just want to remind you before the episode starts that if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, please leave your comments in the Q&A section under this episode. If you're listening on Apple, Google, or anywhere in between, please tweet Gary at Gary V. Make sure you join the Discord to stay up to date on all things V Friends, and we hope you enjoy this episode. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Welcome to Office Hours. I'm David Meltzer, and I'm giddy because I have what uh, some people think is my best friend. He's actually said he was my best friend. <laughs> I, I put him. I made him say it, and we quoted it. But uh, Gary Vaynerchuk is on Office Hours. Gary V, as most people know him. Welcome to Office Hours, my friend. It's really nice to be with all of you. Thank you for having me. You're amazing. So. Um, I was sharing with everybody entrepreneurship and how it's changed over the years. To be an entrepreneur, Gary, when I, I was young, was like being an actor. If you told someone I'm an entrepreneur, regardless of how successful you were, they're like, so you wait tables? <laughs> right? <laughs> and, you know, thankfully, I met you, and I have to admit, I was in the Nike suite at the Super Bowls. It'll be five, it'll be six Super Bowls coming up to meet his brother about a sports agency deal, and he came in. And people went crazy. Gary V's here. Gary V's here. And I literally said, "What's a Gary V?" And I thought maybe he was a fourth round draft pick that I missed. Um, <laughs> but he has truly created a brand for entrepreneurs, a heroic brand. And I think Gary, my question is at a core, everyone's talking about this Lego video that here's a guy who's leading the way of entrepreneurship, and yet you're talking about like two thousand dollars that you made on eBay for Legos, you know, what is it in your personality? There's a definition of a serial entrepreneur. You don't give a shit about how big the project is. You are completely obsessed with the idea of buying and selling and creating margin. And I'm obsessed with the responsibility of having people be attached to the message that I'm putting out there. Beautiful. In a time where I'm incredibly concerned about interest rates and how much VC money there is and consumer confidence, knowing that people have all sorts of stuff in their house that's worth money or the ability to go to a garage sale tomorrow and buy stuff that's worth money inspires me. And whether it's closing a $25 million deal for VaynerMedia or buying something for a dollar and selling it for $7 on eBay, for me, it's one in the same game. And when you have millions of people following you, tens of millions of people following you, I, I'm surprised by how many people don't understand you have the responsibility of providing value to them, not them giving you likes and follows. And and so for me, to your point, I'll be as excited to make a video about a CNBC article about flipping Legos as I will about telling people four years ago that if they bet the farm on TikTok, things can work out for them and everything in between. And um, while... It's now 4.42 p.m. on the East Coast as we're filming this while spending, I don't know, six hours today with Fortune 100 companies on their macro global marketing plans. And so I have a lot of flexibility in my entrepreneurship now that I got the gray hairs and I try to use all those skills on a daily basis. You're amazing. Chance. Oh, Gary, love you, man. You have just 
<clears throat> given me the permission to just promote content and just put it out there and get the message out there. And you've been an inspiration for me and my entrepreneurial journey for so long. So I'm, I'm honored to be here uh, and, and ask you some questions. So I'm a new father. Uh, I have a one-year-old and I'm also, our business is growing very, very quickly. And so I know you, you go all in with your business and you're all over the place on the road a ton. How do you balance that with your kids, your family? Uh, that, yep. I just, that's a big question for me. By not overjudging myself and by being aware that it's going to ebb and flow, you know, um, some days are going to be a 15-hour day when you have a business because what people that don't have businesses don't realize is your business is the other child, mm -hmm. you know, and it's also the child that feeds your actual child. <laughs> and so, you know, I think that people are like, oh, man, like they can never say like, oh, my God, I'm going to pick my business over my child, but the reality is there's not an entrepreneur on the planet that hasn't in the micro, not in the macro. And so it's a game of not beating yourself up, brother. Like you have, God willing, the next 70 years, at least maybe 80, given how young you are in modern medicine, to spend time with that child. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, nobody wants to miss an hour here or an hour there. Who wants to miss their kid's first step or their first word? Nobody wants to miss a recital or a big game. And you fight for those things. I always, always fight for those things. But if the occasional scenario pops up where I don't have the opportunity to attend something because I, there's a critical moment in a business that is very important, I'm not gonna beat myself up and say that I'm not a good dad. Mm -hmm. And you know, I didn't even see my dad the first 13 years of my life because he worked so much because we just came to America. And he's the best dad, and we have the greatest relationship. So I'm, as you can imagine, I'm not scared of it. Yeah. No, thank you. And you know, I had that conversation with my my wife. I was like, babe, we're on we're on team Welton. Like when when you're at home and you're taking care of the kid, and yes, those are those harder times when I'm away. You're allowing me to go out there and have impact and meet people and change the world and be able to build our legacy. And so when you think about it in that form, like that's really helped our relationship grow to that next level. Like, babe, we're doing this together. We're having impact together. Even though you're sitting at home with the child and I'm out, you know, hanging out with David Meltzer and being able to speak with you and, and get the message out. So it's like, we're still just all rowing in the same direction. And, but realistically, yeah, and oh, by the way, oh, by, oh, by the way, oh, by the way, like the luck, the incredibleness of raising a child is way cooler than talking to Gary Vee and David Meltzer. For sure. And But to that same point, when your kids get older, and I have three teenage, 23, 21, and 18, and one actually works with me now, you know, just be realistic. They don't want to effing spend all their time with you either. <laughs> you know, I, I beg for well, two minutes that, a day, and I'm cool with it. Yeah. That, well, that, that, that starts transitioning around 13, where kids become the, their friends become their primary life, not their parents. So I will say for young parents, you know, milk as much as you can out of one through 13. Dave, I'm sure you feel this. I already feel it in some ways. Milk as much of that time when we were the center of their world, because you're right, it flips. You know, for, for now you have parents. I mean, there's only, I mean, at this point in my career, the only person I can think of that doesn't pick up my call is my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she sees your name and she's an F you button to my dad, exactly. <laughs> Because my dad is my favorite person now. And oh, I, I totally was just like, oh my God, my dad. And now it's like, dad, let's go to lunch. Uh, of That'll of come course. back around. Well, Colin's up I, next I, to you. Go ahead. So, no, I, I, I believe that. I appreciate that sentence. And I know that. But in those in-betweens, 
flow. You, you, you know, and so it's just a big game of not overjudging yourself is really what we're all talking about here. And the next guy is going to ask you a question I wanted to get you together with because they have an extraordinary company doing extraordinary things. In fact, I think they even have a Michael Bay movie for you or something. So we got to, after the show, make sure you get that introduction, Colin. But yeah, for sure. So, so Gary, apart from selling Legos on Ebay's, you're obviously uh, <laughs> most known for NFTs, which is sort of our game too. And uh, I just want to get your opinions on the future of the NFT market because it's changed radically in the last year or two. And I see so much more maturation in the market as well. Um, we're, you know, bringing, we're democratizing concerts and bringing them to everyone around the world, working with A-list artists like Snoop Dogg and like Alicia Keys and bringing them into the world of Web3 and exploring how they can reach new people and engage with new audiences and interact with their fans using you know, the power of NFTs. Um, I think the days of the super expensive PFPs are you know, more or less behind us, and now it's all about you know, community and club membership. But I just, Gary, I kind of wanted to understand from you where you think it's going in the future and, uh, and what we're going to see over the next you know, short to medium term. Short to medium term, I don't even think about. Um, so I don't think I have the best guesses. I think I was awfully right that 99% of the projects were gonna go to zero when I was yelling about that a year ago in the height of the hype because it wasn't sustainable. But the long term is very clear. NFTs are digital contracts um, that have utility or rights underneath them in the smart contract and they will become a way of life, no different than apps and social media and email. And I think the consumer blockchain will do for transactions what the internet did for communication. And so I don't have a whole lot of thoughts about the short term. I, I said 4,000 times a year ago that the NFT market right now is exactly what happened with internet 99. There'll be a crash, there'll be two or three years of lulldom and then the next generation of major companies will pop up from that you know, low, just like we saw with Amazon and Google and all that stuff, and we're right on track. You know, Everybody's asking me about the market, and I've said the same thing I'm saying when the market was ripping hot that I am now, that there'll be 1% projects that are really meaningful. Some of them will be about collectability, the Andy Warhols and the Jackson Pollocks and the Michael Jordan rookie cards and the rare sneakers and the coins and the Rolexes and the rare cars, they'll be a part in NFT land for sure. But the 99% will be about the contracts, the access the tickets, the receipts, the membership clubs, and um, I think we're on track. Wonderful. So Gary, I have loved you for many years. I've been following you and listening to the stuff that you're spitting out and just like, yeah, that man is fucking awesome. And then, Thank but then you. I didn't think I could love you more, but then you had a Persian girlfriend. And you know, as Persians, we stick together. And I was like, okay, he is the shit. I literally went to my husband and I was like, he's dating a Persian, look. And then I'm scrolling through her stuff and I'm like, see babe, we all like our fucking tea hot as shit. He was like, that's cause you're the devil. And I'm like, so you're Gary devil. thinks, <laughs> Gary thinks Persians are awesome. <laughs> He was just like, oh my God, okay. That is I won't marry one. I, I know, I'm like, we're fucking phenomenal. So I have one serious question and then one kind of silly one. What is it about yeah. uh, her culture that you love the most? What's your favorite thing? Well, it's funny, like the Persian culture and the Russian culture share a lot of things. Caviar, tea, like, you know, family oriented, respect your elders, very, very family. So 
I, I would say that I've always, you know, R- Russian and Persian culture have a long history of having a lot of similarities, including both were incredibly beautiful countries that had very aggressive revolutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Russia's lasted from 1917 to 1989, 1991, depending on when you think that USSR fell. You know, obviously there's so much going on in Iran right now. It it fell to a revolution in 1979. And so there's a lot of connection points um, I feel very close to. That's beautiful. So- I mean, even... Even, even Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik were tag team partners in wrestling. <laughs> you I, you always it. can I take it where it. you want to go. I know, I know. So I had a serious question, if I may. Yeah, I the, thought that one was serious, please. but go that, ahead. Well, that one was mostly like, I just want to understand. Your husband your thought it was serious, I know, he, as I'm you know, burning his mouth with tea, I have to put an ice cube in for him. Um, that being said, my serious question was, earlier you said that we have to be kinder to ourselves. And it made me wonder, yes. do you believe in balance or do you believe in harmony in our lives, in our businesses, everywhere that we operate? I think both words are just semantics. Mm. The answer is yes. I believe in harm. I love when I'm like, I, I wish you a joyous day. And then in my Twitter, they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I wish you a happy day. And then in the third reply, my Twitter's like, fuck happiness. You should go for joy. I'm right. like, cool. <laughs> We're saying the same shit, oh, right? It. Like, like I believe in harmony. I believe in balance. I believe in joy. But like, what's one's harm? Like, balance is impossible. Like, that, everyone's like, you need balance. I'm like, cool. What's your balance? Yeah. Because yeah, I, my I, balance is different. What's one's joy? One's wants happiness. What I want is, at, at its core, what's become very tangible to me is, I want people to live their life with as little anxiety as humanly possible the way I do. Mm. When I look at myself today and look at everybody around me, and when I mean around me, very close to me, but then the next layer, my family, then my coworkers, then my friends, then then the hardest core fans, then casual fans, I'm looking at a lot of groups of people and like when I say to myself, like, what's the most different thing about me? The most different thing about me is the percentage of my time that my stomach feels anxiety. The number is almost non-existent. And I mean almost non-existent for the year in a world where I watch almost everyone I know have percentages during every day, some 80% of their day. Or inversely proportional. And so I am obsessed with being a communicator to try to change people's perspectives because living life with anxiety nerves, insecurity, concern, fear, dwelling, indifference, apathy, is really like not the way to play this gift called life. Mm-hmm. Gary, how do you like, do I'm, go- I'm going into some spiritual crazy pieces in my mind that are practical like, oh wait a minute, maybe the answer is if you're not happy, you have to go crazy simplistic and like move to Peru and work on a farm. Because then you just reset the whole thing and get into a simple state because a stunning amount of people that live a very simple life with very little income in second and third world countries have remarkable happiness. Yeah, all the time. And so if you're not cut out for the muscle and bustle of a first world country, then cool, who gives a shit? 
Just because I am, I don't think that makes me special or good. I just think it fits my DNA. But for you, maybe you should go to and live there full time. Like I'm really like going there. Like I'm really challenging myself to figure shit out the world and then talk about it. Like I'm into it. That's what I want to do. So we're so it's interesting because I've I've kind of just done that. Um, you did. I, 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 yeah, I, I'm Irish, but I live, I've been living in four years in Dubai. And don't get me wrong, it's an incredible place, and it's the hustle, the bustle, and the glitz and the glam. But I moved to Brazil, and you know, it's it's a long way away from Dubai. But my health has improved, my happiness has improved, my work life balance is so much better. Um, and you know, yeah, I can be on the du in Dubai on this incredible beach drinking a twenty dollar beer, but I'm just as happy on plastic furniture drinking a two dollar beer. You know, surrounded by a whole lot more normal people, and it is reinvigorating. And you look. I mean, it. I am. I understand that more. You know, and for me, living this high intensity life is like laying on a plastic piece of furniture drinking a zero dollar beer. Like it, it's all like, I don't even, I'm not attached to my career, my notoriety, my financial success. I'm not attached to it. I have no self-worth tied up in Gary Vee or Gary Vaynerchuk, the entrepreneur. My self-worth is fully and utterly 100% attached to how I treat human beings. Mm. Wow. That, that and, you and you live that. Yeah. But it's interesting, Gary, because you have to evolve to that and I think People want to cheat themselves on the steps that it takes. And so I'll meet religious people. Well, David, I'll, I'll tell you, I would argue that I didn't evolve into it. That, of course I did, to your point, but I've always <laughs> been it. But I've always been it. What I mean by that is, I'm trying to tell people, like, you and I, David, grew up in the generation where the world told you what success was. Right. I never got caught in it because I was weird from the get. I talk a lot about having my fingers in my ears and being weird about school, right? Fuck school, and everyone thinks that's kind of cool. What people don't understand that they don't think is as cool is I did that for the definition of success. Like, I didn't think I needed a fancy car or a fancy house or a Rolex. Like, I treated the glitz and glamour of capitalism the same way I treated school, which is you're both full of shit. Yeah, I wish I did. Yeah, it, 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 yet the anxiety part that there has to be, I think, a, an education of self that it's not a matter of how much anxiety you put towards or attach emotion to an outcome that you're not there yet. And there has to be some sort of uh, look at the journey. And I, you know, I watch Gary a lot, not, not for the content itself, but for that idea of being at ease while everyone thinks you're not. Like if you take a brand and say, this guy goes at it, he's like a pit bull in a china shop. No, he's actually Buddhist. Okay. If you really examine, not the, con like the words, but understand that like he's on a mission to change the world, knowing that all tides move to a, the lowest point of humility. And although the daily activities seem very rigorous, he's at ease. And that's how, even last night, Gary, we were at dinner and everyone's like, you're 54 years old, how do you have more energy than me? And I said, well, we all have the same energy, you're interfering with it, right? You interfere with, with the need to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior. A hundred percent. I've been on this hot kick lately with my content. I'm, I'm, I'm on a new, you know, you get caught on certain things you wanna talk about. This concept of grudges is on my mind in a way that you can't imagine. 
this concept of grudges might be the most reverse thing I've, like I'm really tapped in right now. People hold a grudge and actually think the person they're holding the grudge against is getting hurt right. when, they're getting eaten, when they're getting eaten alive by holding the grudge. It's, it's profound to me and that goes into energy. If you're spending all your energy paying attention to the person that you're mad at to hope that they are more hurt because you're hurt by them, you've got no energy for yourself to find your happiness. Well, he's Buddhist. He's Buddhist. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who has the last question for G as we let him go? Um, go ahead, Jen. So I just want to know, what are your thoughts on the, the future of education? A lot of us here are talking about the educational system's broken. Here at Abundance.io, we, we teach people how to create business online, trying to shorten that gap between um, you know, information download to being able to apply it and have some, sec some success in some factor or another. I know that it's evolved to online a bit, but where do you see the evolution of education going in the next three to five years? Three to five years, I think it's gonna be small little steps, couple more people, AKA thousands to 10,000 more people are gonna take their kids homeschooling, couple more people, AKA thousands to 10,000 people are gonna let their kids mail in the core education so that they can spend an hour or two when they get home on something that's digital. But I think in a 15 year window, in a 20 year window, you're looking at substantial, substantial changes. I believe Gen Z, call it 16 to 22 year olds today, are the generation that won't make their kids go to college. Mm. So maybe it's another 20 years where that they start having children and so then another 20. So, you know, you know, kids, people are having kids a little bit later. They're 20 now, let's just give it 10, 18. I would say in 25 years, you're gonna see a substantial, substantial fall off the cliff moment of college, uh, college kids. And I think that will trickle then down to high school and grammar school. And I, I think the revolution, the cat's out of the bag at this point. And over the next three decades, we will see transformation, more vocational, like we used to do it in the 50s. Parents are gonna be more, not ideological, more practical. So, hey, my kid loves being a mechanic, like let him learn to be a mechanic now. The reason I'm a great entrepreneur is my mom let me be an entrepreneur from eight to 18. I came out guns a blazing at 20. You know, people hear my story. <laughs> I, you know, like I was, a, I was a veteran by the time I was, they're like, wow, at 22, you built your dad's business so fast, how? I was a fucking 14 year veteran in business by then. You know, that's how. Yeah, another And role. so I think we're gonna see that. I think we're gonna see more skill sets, more alternative learning, um, it's just so obvious. The world's changing rapidly. Yeah, and we mo need more of Gary Vee, and in case you didn't know what a Gary Vee was, you now no. do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he has blessed us all. Gary Vaynerchuk, I am honored to be your best friend, at least for this show, and I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> Wait a second, I'm his new best friend. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. loves hey, we're all we're best friends. We're gonna edit this shit, we're gonna edit this shit. We all can be his best we're friend. We're all so Gary's best make friend. Make sure you get that content. The guy taught me the stage Bye, everyone. Take care, thank, thank you, you Gary. Thanks, Gary. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening or watching to that episode of the Gary V Audio Experience. We really hope you enjoy it, and we hope to see you next time.